This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Today, I'm beginning a brand new mini-series with the podcast. Um, I say mini because it's only the next two episodes. We are talking about some recent overseas missions trips. On this episode, which is uh, episode 20, uh, we're talking to Aaron Patton again. You might remember him from uh, early on in the podcast, the early days, you know, different microphone, different setup and everything, uh, you know, back in the good old days. But uh, Aaron, Aaron Patton's back with us, and he just returned from a trip to Jordan, the Middle East. And so he's going to share some really cool things about that trip and what God did through him and in him. Uh, and then episode 21, which by the way, is the last episode of season one of our podcast, 21 episodes. So thank you for listening. Thanks for being a part. My goodness, we did it. I guess that was never really our, <laughs> we never really had a goal, right? I'll just tell you that our, our goal was just to listen to God and do what he called us to do and get this thing going. And he's been so faithful and uh, we have partners and we have you know people who are giving financially and all you listeners. And it's just so wonderful uh, to be on this journey. So I'm super excited. Um, about, about the ending, you know, the ending of, of season one and kind of stepping into season two. But enough about that. We'll talk about that later. But episode 21, which is coming up after this one, is me. I'm the guest. That's the secret. I'm the guest about my Kenya trip, my recent Kenya trip in uh, that, that took place in July and August of 2021. So you won't want to miss that. That's going to be super fun. Um, the trip is absolutely amazing. So you're going to love it. So stay tuned. Now, I just want to say real quick before we get into it um, that I really believe that every single person listening to this podcast, if you haven't been on an international missions trip before, I really encourage you to do it. I believe every single person should go on at least one international missions trip. God can do things in your heart that you'd never experienced before. You can learn to trust him to a new degree. You can see him move in a new way. And also he'll work through you and you'll see some amazing things happen. So so I really hope that today's podcast not only encourages you with the stories and the ideas, you know, from the other, other cultures and encouragement of what God's doing in these places, right? But it also, uh, you know, stirs you up to go on a mission trip of your own and to have an adventure with God yourself. It's going to be great. So stay tuned for these next two episodes. They're going to be super great. Today, the star of the show is Aaron Patton. Welcome back, sir. Why don't you kick this thing off? Hey, everybody. It's so good to be here with you. As I've been sharing with people about what he did, I, I tend to start by saying, when God speaks, it's important that we listen. And if he directs us, it's important that we obey. And so before this trip was ever in existence in my mind, I was in a time of worship and prayer in our home with some friends and my wife, and, and it was late. And I felt the Lord specifically tell me, I want you to text your friend Daniel and ask him when the next time that he's going to Jordan is, and I want you to go with him. And so it was very specific, just like that. Um, it wasn't audible, but it was in my spirit. I, I felt that, and I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll be obedient, and I will do it. So Amen. I reached out to him, and sure enough, he told me they were going in May. And so I had to be on this trip. I said, okay, well, whatever the cost, whatever it looks like, I'll be there. I don't know why specifically. And I was really candid with him about it. I said, I, I don't know what it has for me, but the Lord has spoken to me about going with you. And so count me in. That was really the beginning of the journey. I find that many times before we ever uh, step out of the boat to be obedient, He's spoken to us or he's, or he's given us a preemptive obedient task that we have to perform. You know, there's always getting to the destination that the journey to the destination is just as important as getting, getting there. So God provided miraculously the finances. 
uh, the timing worked perfectly for my family. And so, yeah, being obedient, that was the first hurdle was like, okay, right now there's massive conflict um, in the Middle East. Yeah. Before I went, there was conflict with Israel and with the Palestinians and rocket fire back and forth and, and understanding it's, you know, less than maybe 50 miles from Jordan. It, Man. It's, it's yeah. not far. Wow. I mean, the Israel Jordan border was r- right where we were staying basically. And so there was a lot of stuff where in the spirit, I was like, okay, Lord, there's, there's flesh, flesh reasons to be concerned or be cautious. But when you promise something, when you give direction, give order, I have to be one aware of the cost of going somewhere for the sake of the gospel. I have to understand that Jesus carried his cross, right? And so if he's telling me to go somewhere, I have to be literally and figuratively ready to carry my cross as well. Uh, But also number two, I do believe for divine protection as, as he leads us forward that I've got a family and a child and that there's just more timing and more purpose and plan for my life ahead. So I didn't have any fear. I knew the Lord would take good care of me, but always have my heart postured for going somewhere where the gospel isn't easily taken. You know, they, they, it's a Muslim nation, Jordan. It's, it's quite a bit more westernized than some of the surrounding nations, but still being aware. And so those are some of the things going into it that I had to definitely spend time with the Lord preparing my heart for. And so I just want to preface the actual being in Jordan by the journey into the promised land sometimes looks a lot more wilder than we expect. So getting to Jordan was nothing, as far as difficulty, it was nothing new. You know, we've been to Mozambique, we've been to South Africa. The route was easy and it was long. It was about 21 hours of travel. We landed in Jordan close to midnight, their time. And and, uh, the Middle East in general is a very night time. They love being up because the heat isn't nearly as intense during the night. So a lot of times they wake up uh, around like 10 or 11 and get their day started, and then they stay up into the evening. And so everywhere, it was hustle and bustle. There were tons of people out and around. And uh, But I met up with the girls that uh, were coming on the trip. It was, a, it was kind of a Bethel trip. There were uh, quite a few students from Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry and me and our my buddy Daniel and his wife. And, and so the girls and I had to take a taxi from the airport to Amman, which was about a 40-minute ride. And, you know, I don't know if I'd say jet lag right at that moment, but definitely your senses are firing off at all the new lights and sounds and the language, and you're in a new place and environment. And yet, even in that moment, God wants to do something. He wanted to do something through us. And so we get in the taxi and I'm up front and the girls are in the back and there's this huge, it's like a shower curtain in the taxi because of COVID. <laughs> it was, it was dividing nice. um, the passengers and us up front. So I couldn't, they couldn't hear me and I couldn't hear the girls back in the back, but the driver spoke enough English to have a conversation with me. And we start talking and just sharing life and how many kids we had and different things. And he started talking really about how he felt that as a Muslim, he really wanted to give his family a lot more freedom than maybe what is culturally normal, or at least in the Islamic faith, what's uh, religiously normal. He he said, you know, typically we pick out husbands for our daughters. We tell our children what colleges they're going to go to. And, and I mean, just a lot of control uh, from the parents, but this man said, I really feel like I'm like, I want to give freedom to my family. I want my daughter to be able to choose her husband and not have to get married 
you know, at 17, 18 years old, I want her to be able to choose and I want my sons to be able to pick where they want to go to school. And, you know, he's like, I just want them to love Allah and I want them to be good people. And, and it was so funny because it just kind of naturally segued into me just being like, you know, it's so funny that you say that because I'm actually a Christian, but I share a lot of those same values that you were just sharing about. I, I want my kids, you know, to grow up and love the Lord God. I, I want them to be able to make their own decisions and have good character and choose who they want to marry based on, you know, being led by God and, and different things. And he immediately kind of like, as soon as I said Christian, he kind of like, I will say tensed up a little bit or, or got more, I don't know, walls up a little bit. Not, not much. Sure. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. definitely was like, okay, he just came out and said it, you know, and yet we kept having a dialogue and, and I asked him like, what do you as a father, how do you um, father your children? Well, because he had a, a young girl and, and we just, I just asked some deep questions. I was like, you know, there's no reason for me not to. And he gave me just some good worldly answers. But at the end, the, the real climax to this story was not converting him or not, you know, asking him if he wants to know Jesus, but just um, a simple act of generosity, of kindness. And when we pulled up to the place, he asked, I don't know if this is a cultural thing or what, but he asked me, like, how much do you want to pay me? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> this is a 40 minute taxi ride from the airport. Right. I don't have any clue. Jordanian dinar at that moment. So what's typical. And, and he was just, just uh, whatever, whatever you want to give me, you know, just, and so I felt a specific number from the Lord and I knew it was a high number for what the price would be there. But I felt, I felt the Lord, so I, I gave him this amount of money and the man instantly leans over and kisses me on the cheek. <laughs> wow. And almost is in tears. And he says, you are, oh you are my brother. Wow. Cool. He said, you are my brother. Wow. And I'm like, ah, you know, Jesus is worthy and mm. um, get out. He s- helps us unload our bags and he just gives me this huge hug. Cool. And you know, you want the stories to end in, in these people knowing Jesus, but sometimes them just knowing the love of someone who's filled with Jesus, yep. just by a simple gift like that, is a seed. That's right. Brings up questions in people's hearts of like, well, as a Muslim, maybe I would never, I would never do this for a Christian, but a Christian would do this for me, you know, and so. That's good. I was really excited just to see how God started the trip like that and just started with an opportunity to show the love of Jesus to someone uh, who doesn't believe in him as uh, his Lord and Savior. The funny thing about Muslims is, you know, they believe in Jesus. They believe in the Old Testament of the Bible, mostly because uh, their lineage comes from Noah, comes all the way down through Abraham. They believe in the prophet Aaron and they believe in Moses and the the defining factor is they believe even even Muhammad they believe all of these people are just prophets that are supposed to point to the one true God they don't believe in Jesus being uh, resurrected and the Son of God they they don't deitize him uh, they just look at him as a, a human prophet and so that. That is one thing that is definitely a struggle in the Middle East is like helping them understand, well, he's, he wasn't just a, a man. He, he was all man, but he was also 100% God, right? And so. Yeah, yeah Aaron, I want to I point that out real quick. I, I really love what you're saying. Um, I want to point this out to our listeners that. I mean, I, I know you uh, very well, having spent so many years with you and, and time together with you, but I love that about you, that your, your mindset isn't like you see a person and your initial thought is like, oh, okay, you know, uh, this, is, this person's a project, 
right? Like my job is to get this person from wherever they are now to accepting Jesus in the next five minutes, you know? And like in your, in our, in our Western minds, you know, sometimes that's the goal. It's like, Oh, we just got to get everyone to accept Jesus and say the prayer, you know? But like, man, praise God. Like that would be awesome if every single encounter would end up in someone legitimately knowing Jesus. But what I love about what you're bringing out is that you bring, basically you bring more than that. You bring a love encounter. Like we need to be focused on bringing a love encounter to the person full of the Holy Spirit and bringing the person into a love encounter with Jesus. We, of course, we would love for them to say the prayer. We would love for them to receive Jesus, but sometimes stopping for the one in front of us Mm you know, we're not always going to be harvesting, you know, uh, we're not always going to be reaping the harvest of that person, you know, accepting Jesus. Sometimes it's a sowing or it's a watering or it's a, it's a nurturing. And I just wanted to point that out to our listeners that you bring the heart of the father into every situation that you face like this man. And it might look like something that is relatively normal or, or not supernatural or not spectacular, but you're bringing them into a closer encounter with Jesus and you're doing, you're sowing and reap, you're sowing and you're watering. And I just want us to know in the Western world, um, man, that's just as important. Of course, we should always shoot for people receiving Jesus, but the people are not projects. People are people. And sometimes the person just needs a little bit of a nudge. They just need an encounter with the love of God. And so I just wanted to point that out, yeah. Lord, uh, Aaron, I, I love that about you. Thank you for, thank you for bringing that up. Oh, thank you, Justin. Yeah. You know, that, seems to be really the goal i think of katie and i's life is to daily be transformed into the image of christ right and um i know that maybe can sound cliche or or spiritual but you know and in the day-to-day life a lot of times we fall far short of that right especially in family and and in situations we tend to look the least like Christ at times we get too comfortable or too, you know, but you know, her and I are on the same page of holding each other accountable for, you know, something we've done or said doesn't look Christ like if a way that we've maybe disciplined our child wasn't in love, you know, or like our, our goal is like as a family, how are we going to look more like Christ every day? Even if it's just one little goal or one little achievement of like, you know, well, I didn't put the laundry in the basket the last couple of days. Well, I, I need to do it better because to love my wife like Jesus, I need to be more intentional with even stuff like that. So yeah, I hear you. <laughs> you know, it's easy when you're on, on the mission field or you're, you know, you're going on a, an intentional trip like this to put on, so to speak, the missionary look and feel. And and I actually do feel like that's part of the reason why I, I personally am so drawn to missions is because when you go out away from the comfort of the home and, and family, you know, flesh family, uh, you really learn to depend upon him. Yeah. You need him. Yeah. Uh, He, he is the one that is your sustenance. He's the one that is, that, that you rely on and depend on. And, and so being at home, you kind of, there's more in the comfort of your, your home with your family. There's, there's more nitpicky Christianity that has to be done, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so going to Jordan seems like it's difficult. And for some, on their journey with the Lord, it, it could be a difficult thing for me because of the word I had from the Lord. I, I had such peace about it. And, and God, God's really done something with my heart over the years, especially as I've dived deeper into the word to see his heart for the lost and the broken, the ones that live in the in the dark places land covered with demonic oppression you know people that are born into other religions and and without a choice uh, of the matter like those people are the ones that i just so see the father's heart for i think that as a western 
society growing up in the west for sure i myself took advantage took for granted being a christian being able to go to a youth group and and go to church on sundays or saturdays or i think because the goal wasn't to tell people about jesus and to to love people like jesus for me i saw a lot of the goal being to have a house to have a car to get a job to get an education those are really the things the gifts and the the qualities that the western world kind of throws on to the younger generations i'll even say it's a a fight or flight mentality of like the older you know there's such a stigma from the older generation to like get the younger generation to be successful you know to live a better life that they live to not start at the bottom but start somewhere higher up on the ladder so that you know you can have you can retire by the age of you know 40 and go enjoy the rest of your life not worrying about finances i i've seen that time and time again in my life people i know it wasn't until Katie and i went to africa that we had this radical experience with the lord where we read the gospel we we read jesus talking about you know you've done all these things but sell all that you possess and follow me it's harder for a camel to go through and harder for a man who's rich uh, to get into heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle these hard sayings of jesus that pierced our hearts in a way where you know we're not rich so to speak in in the monetary or we weren't even back then we weren't rich but but our hearts i think were set on worldly possessions and worldly goals and worldly achievable things you know i remember we'd sit and we'd drive by or we'd drive in the car buy these houses and it'd be like one day we're going to have a house like this and it's going to be beautiful it's going to overlook the columbia river and different things and and even though those things aren't bad like when your heart is focused on those things it's easy for your mind to start turning away from our spiritual assignment to how am i going to worldly achieve this and so when that became the focus it, it did for us, it did take going to uh, Africa and reading these things and realizing that our hearts were not fully surrendered to him. You know, he says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Yeah. And just before that, he listed all the things, clothing, food, shelter, place to lay your head, like all these things will be added unto you That's right. as you seek first the Amen. kingdom of God and his righteousness. And yep. so when we had that heart revelation, we thought, well, we had it backwards. We were seeking things so that we could mm. go do the gospel. Mm-hmm. We could go, you know, and so when we flipped that around and we said, we're going to go do the gospel. That's right. And the things are going to come. Come on. Yep. That's when, that's, that's when we saw great change. That's when, you know, literally we saw that verse come to life because we were seeking gospel. We were seeking Jesus. We were seeking people knowing him. And whenever we had a need, it was met miraculously or maybe maybe not miraculously. We lived in Portland and, and we were being obedient to the Lord. And we were paying this crazy amount of money for rent um, because the Lord told us to move there. And instead of having this prosperity complex of like, well, I'm obeying the Lord. And so he's got to provide money and a car and all. like Katie and I went to the food bank yep. <laughs> and we served at the food bank yeah, I remember. and they gave yeah. us free food. Yep. And for, for weeks we went to the food bank to get our staples because we were seeking first the kingdom of God. And, and he provided a way, a humble way, a meager, a meager way, but, he provided the way he made it possible and and we didn't ever get prideful about like okay god we're we're serving you so where's our ferrari or where's our house you know that that was that's never been our heart we and like i mean we didn't have heat in that house we didn't have 
we drank, we, we ate the first couple of weeks we lived there, we ate food out of a measuring spoon. It was like oh my a one goodness. tablespoon measuring spoon. That's how we eat our oh, cereal. Man. Like, oh, no. like we were just getting back into <laughs> yeah. the world of being, yeah. you know, living in Haiti and then Africa and then coming back. And, <laughs> That's, I was going to say, that's probably pretty nice after eating uh, spaghetti and tuna fish. Well, that, <laughs> that really, yeah, that was that was a good Thanksgiving meal, that's for sure. Oh, no. Did you know it was on Thanksgiving? I didn't know that. Oh, man. That was on Thanksgiving. <laughs> that was... That's probably what you had before Thanksgiving and after. true, yeah. <laughs> In the bush bush. That's right. That is a good memory. Goodness gracious. Amen. I think we have it it backwards in the Western world. They, you know, you have a lot of people who profess to be a Christian, but they are striving for the American dream, which I'll boldly say it on your podcast. I believe the American dream is antichrist. I don't believe that the American dream is achievable if you're living out the gospel. That's good. You can't, you can't see me listeners, but I'm, I'm nodding along with Aaron. <laughs> But Andrew Walmack likes to say, Aaron, um, he says, the, the Christian life isn't about getting all you can, canning all you get, and then sitting on your can. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's more to it. <laughs> That's so good. You know, I think that just going along the lines of the American dream, I, I have seen the American dream take away from us trusting in God uh, for his supernatural provision. You know, some people would say, well, I'm trusting God for a job. I'm trusting God for upgrade and promotion. And my question would be, how can you seek first the kingdom of God and seek a, a job and promotion and those types of, like, how can you do those at the same time? And that's a, that's a really hard, maybe, pill for people to swallow. And um, I, I tend to live maybe a more radical, meager life, but I really believe that the disciples lived the way they did in Acts in one accord with all things in common because they, they lived with the foundation in their heart that Jesus was coming back soon. And he said, he told them, I'm coming back soon. And so they didn't have any reason to try and have a house, to have a retirement, to have all these things. They, they were expecting him to come back, you know, within a couple of months, within a year, maybe 10 years. And even then, they didn't have a reason to have a storehouse full of goodies and things and, and comforts. They, they had a mission that he had given them. The gospel that he gave them is the same gospel that he's given us. We're just aware that he hasn't come back in the time frame that they had in their mind. And so we've justified, in, in my opinion, we've justified taking time with the gospel, not having a sense of urgency. And I believe that that has almost been a very negative thing for the Western church. The Western church could do so much right now. And Justin, I remember a couple of years ago, you sent me this diagram of like the money that was funneled into missionaries from the West and how only a slim margin of the finances yeah. poured into yep. missionaries ever actually made it to the missions they were intended to do. You know, it was kind of funneled down from the executives of the nonprofits down to cars and, and electricity bills. And, and a lot of times it never even reached the people that were being ministered to, you know, with food and water. And so I think my heart really is to see the American church understand what position it, it can be in to help uh, see the rest of the world, the rest of the, you know, it says the Lord, can't return until every tribe and tongue has heard the name of Jesus. Well, if in Revelations, at the very end, it says the spirit and the bride say, come, well, I'm the bride. Mm -hmm. You're the bride. Yep. 
believers are the brides of Christ, right? Amen. We yep. should long to see our groom. We should long to see our king. We should. Amen. I, I desire to see him. Yes. We know that heaven's better than earth. We know that being with him is the point. If there was something that stood between me and marrying Katie, I would jump the river. I would climb the mountain. I would swim the ocean to get to her. Why don't we have that same desire to get to Jesus? And, and I mean, physically, I, I mean, if he says, I can't come back until these things happen, why wouldn't we do whatever it takes in our power to see those things happen to get to him? Good question, Aaron. And that's my heart. And that's, yep. that's, that's Katie's heart. We're, we're willing to go to whatever place needs to hear about Jesus because we long for the return of him. Amen. Um, speaking of, speaking of going to those places, why don't you tell us a little bit about Madaba? I believe that's how you pronounce it. You told me about um, some amazing things happening in Madaba on your trip. Madaba is a city that was located, that is located in what would have been ancient Moab. If, if those of you listening have ever heard about the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah fighting the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Edomites. A lot of the land of Jordan is actually that land. The Ammonites were in the north, the Moabites were in the central area, and the Edomites uh, were in the southern region of Jordan. And I may be having this slightly geographically wrong, but, but Madaba is in Mo, would have been in Moab, and it uh, is the city where a lot of the story uh, of, of Ruth and Naomi took place. And actually, Mo, uh, Madaba is a, is a city where the, the numbers of, of Christianity to Muslim is actually the highest in, in the nation of Jordan. It's about, they speculate about 50% uh, Christian, 50% Muslim. Wow. In Madaba, okay. which is a really outstanding number yep. when you consider the fact that I think it's like 2% or less of the nation of Jordan is Christian. So, mm. okay. so when you think about that, you kind of realize, okay, well, this city is, holds quite a bit of that. But I think that really is an amazing part of the story because... It, the hotel we were staying at, we had a Muslim woman who was cooking our meals, uh, and her daughter was helping to serve the food and make sure we were comfortable and everything. And her daughter was probably about 18 years old, you know, young girl. But she, you could tell, loved being around Westerners, loved being around people that spoke English. It's kind of a, a, a stigma of like, you know, if I can even just learn a little bit of English when I'm around them, that helps me a ton in the future. And so, you know, we want to be able to pour into whoever we can. And so the next morning we were walking through uh, some of the touristy market areas that have the keychains and different things. And uh, she wanted to go with us. And so, they all talked and they're like, yeah, let's have her come. So we end up walking into this little tchotchke store with all the little touristy items and things to take home. And the girls just really felt peace about talking to her about, about Jesus. And so they started talking with her and, and she ended up talking about how she would from time to time go into the local church Christian church to just sit because she felt a lot of peace whenever she was in there. And, and so they ended up telling her that peace that you feel when you're in the church is the presence of God. It's, it's, you know, the Holy spirit. And, and they just witnessed to her. They told her about Jesus and, and she wanted a relationship with him. She was like hungry, yeah, desperate for whatever. She, this was a Muslim woman, right? She was Muslim. Yeah, absolutely. Born Muslim. And wow. Wore, you know, the head covering and everything. And yeah. she wanted the peace that she felt, you know, she, she wanted that to be 
normal in her life every day. And so they ended up being able to pray with her right there to receive uh, Jesus as their Savior, Lord and Savior. And, you know, how God works everything out always. Uh, the shop owner was a believer himself. And he had overheard the conversation. And he actually had, he in that moment, sent his daughter, who was about 19, 20 years old, he said, run and go get a Bible. So she run, hit this store, shop owner's uh, daughter runs to go get a Bible from the closest church, comes back, and they just they hand this Bible to this young, newly Christian woman. And she just is like, it's like the best thing that she's ever received. You can just see that she is so grateful and and the funny thing was, it was they had to kind of secretively give it to her. And even, even then, there were people, uh, Muslim men in the cars, that you could see them like physically turning around and like glaring mm. um, because they were aware of what was happening. I mean, they, wow. they saw, you know, typically when you have white, white people in a situation like that, they're either tourists or they're Christian. Yeah. And so when they see yeah. a white person handing, uh, you know, a thick book to <laughs> oh, no. a young Muslim girl, yeah. previously Muslim girl, that, yeah. that doesn't look good. So, <laughs> uh, or it doesn't look sure. good for the Muslims. And so you could feel, even in that moment, the enemy was just yeah. like shaking. Uh huh. And we tell her, don't open it now, put it in your bag, go home. And when you go home into your bedroom, open it up and just start reading the first several pages, you know, of the book of Matthew. Also, we knew that we would need to have a conversation with the mother because we had found out that actually her father had died a year prior. And so, you know, obviously you never wish death on anyone, but understanding that that does open up a certain door for a lot more freedom for the women uh, to make their own choices and to be able to say yes to Jesus without having to um, go through that control of the male dominant, you know. So we had the conversation with the mom and she seemed super open to her daughter, her new faith, and just said, you know, I would even be okay with her marrying a Christian wow. man someday. Oh my goodness. And, and so that was really an amazing yeah oh it's so cool amazing thing and so just to fast forward really quick because right after that we basically got on the road and and we left town um we got her connected with that young girl who brought her the bible so she so she was really like excited to have some connection with another young woman who was a christian and but three days later uh, we get one of the girls gets a text that's in Arabic, and none of us except for Daniel and his wife Lydia could read Arabic. So we were kind of like, "Oh, this is this is cool," but we had another Arab man with us who actually was reading the text messages, and his jaw just started to drop. And we're like, "You know, tell us, tell us," you know, and he's just like the words can't get out of his mouth can't get out of his mouth fast enough. And, and he's like, this, this young girl, she, she went home just like you guys said, and she went into her bedroom and she opened up the Bible and she was reading the first three pages of the book of Matthew. And then she just, she closed the book and she said, Jesus, if you're real, I want to, I want to see you. And as soon as she said that a man dressed in white, with a white beard walked into her bedroom and Come she on. got to see him with her own eyes, yeah. the man in wow. white. Yeah. And we're reading this in a text message and like just this, this eruption of like yeah. praise <laughs> and worship, you know, we're Come in a completely on. different city at this point, but we're, there's this just real sense of like, God, you show up. Yeah. Cool. You make yourself totally cool. known. Yeah. You, you, yep. you know, when, when the, the man in white is not a new thing right. to Muslims, 
one of one of the reasons that I believe he shows up is because they do, you know, as Muslims, they do believe in in him as a prophet. And in order for him to set himself apart, he walks into the room or he shows up in a dream or in a vision and like, like, hey, hello, I, I'm not I'm not just a prophet. I, I'm alive. I'm here in front of you. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. And it becomes such a real experience that they can never go back to believing that he's just a prophet. And, and so just that we would be there in that moment to share about him and then for him to encounter her could possibly be to this day, one of the craziest God encounters I've personally been a part of, like that he would show up to this young 18 year old, previously Muslim girl in her bedroom is just mind blowing. And, and the thing about the thing that maybe some of the listeners need to understand about uh, the culture, especially the Islamic Muslim culture is you are born into being a Muslim. You are born into being a Christian. It's okay to be a Christian if you're born into being a Christian, but if you convert from Islam to Christianity, you are now, you have a target on your back, so to speak. If a neighbor, if an uncle, if, if a relative that is an extreme, like a radical follower of Islam finds out, they, they have the right by Sharia law, Islamic law, to kill her. It's, it's part of their faith. It's part of their culture. Now, there are many Muslims who don't adhere to you know, those types of radicals. Sometimes they just get beaten. But at, at the very greatest, she could be uh, killed for converting yep. to Christianity. Yep, so true. a lot of times uh, in countries that are uh, Islamic countries, they're known as MBB, which is a, a Muslim background believer. For all intents and purposes, they still dress like a Muslim, but they have a fire and a passion for Jesus as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, and so there is a cost in those nations to being a follower of Christ, to, to living out the gospel, you know, to being led by the Spirit, evangelizing. There, there's a cost. It's illegal to proselytize. It's illegal to tell people about Jesus with the intent of converting someone. It's not illegal to tell, ask questions, to tell people that you are a believer, but all of that is very gray area when it comes to. So, so there's a cost to being a believer of Jesus and living the gospel in those places. There sure is. Um, I'd like to ask you a little bit about what the trip did for you. Um, you mentioned a few things. I remember when you called me and you first were telling me about this trip, you were just ecstatic about what God did in your heart. Uh, why don't you share with us some of this uh, experiences that you had and what God did in your heart on this trip? Yeah, I would love to share um, about that. I feel like there are days where even now I still wake up and I'm like finding out things that he did inside of me. It seems like it's a lot of unpacking. But what I can tell you is, just to start off, walking in the land where the Israelites just tarried in the desert for 40 years, you know, being in some of the places where, you know, the, the prophet Aaron died on, on the top of Mount Hor, uh, seeing Mount Nebo where uh, Moses died, looking over the promised land, being in the Dead Sea, seeing the Sea of Galilee, walking it out with my own two feet, my own two eyes, looking at broken pottery on the ground that are in complete wilderness areas. I had this real encounter with the Lord where I can never go back to a place where I know the Bible isn't real by seeing it. You know, we, we as Christians, we believe the Bible by faith 
a lot of times, sometimes it's only faith, right? You know, you can have encounters with the Lord. You can feel the Holy Spirit. You can have dreams of Jesus. And aside from a physical touch from him, uh, it's faith. You know, faith that he's real, faith that those dreams were him, faith that, you know, what he's told you to do is real. At, you know, as, as Christians, we live by faith. But when you walk in the land and you see the places that happened in the Bible, where, when you see the Jordan River and where Jesus was baptized and where the Holy Spirit ascended, when you see these places it, it becomes real in a, in a way that it's not just faith. It, it is faith, but, but it's tangible as well. Now for me, it's, cool. it's real. It's, yeah. it's tangible. I've, I've walked in the footsteps of the Israelites. I, I saw the location they believe they crossed from Egypt, you know, crossed the Red Sea, like, like as a believer, I've seen these place, places firsthand. And, and so for me, it just lights even more of a fire uh, inside of me for the gospel, for, for telling people about Jesus, for living my life with purpose, living my life to see his return. I, my, my dream would be to see his return in my lifetime. I'm I'm not with the crowd that says I don't want Jesus to return yet because there's too many Christians there's too many people that need to be saved like I I believe that everyone has the ability their own ability to be saved I believe everyone that the Bible says we should just be able to simply look around at creation and know that God is real and yet there is something so powerful about an encounter with him and someone bringing the gospel, bringing Jesus, bringing healing, bringing uh, manifestations of his love and kindness, right? That, that is important. And, and so I, I long to be a part of seeing that happen. And I think as well, you know, just some other personal things he did. I had this real encounter with him on Mount Nebo where it was like an ugly cry situation. I had just snot in my beard and in my mustache. And I was, I was on the ground on my knees with rocks jabbing me in the knees, like, but just like under the weight and the glory of the Lord. As I, I literally overlooked the promised land. I overlooked, I could see all of Israel, you know, that was visible from that mountain. And, and the Lord was just speaking about how, you know, his promises that he's given me, that he's given Katie, that, you know, he's given our family are still there. They're still in front of us. You know, we, he still has every intention of us walking uh, towards those promises. And, and so for us, we're never going to stop walking towards the things that he has for us, that, that the dreams that he's put in our heart to go to the nations, to, to go to Asia, our family right now is on the cusp of starting transition into uh, moving to Asia full time. And so what does that look like? That looks like, you know, again, giving things up for the gospel, giving up your natural family to follow him. And, and so these promises, these, this moment on the mountain, you know, Mount Nebo, where, where Moses saw the promised land, makes realizing even more what we're living for, you know, we're living in a time where he's, he's promised uh, to give us the nations so that we can reach them with the gospel, right? And so we're going to go, we're going to do it, we're, gonna, we're going to um, live, live that life with abandonment in whatever way he, he, he leads. And, and so, you know, faith pleases God and, and we're going after it with everything. And, and so that's, that's really one of the powerful things he did inside of me was just that experience on Mount Nebo looking over the promised land and, and 
having him just speak to my heart about the promises he's given us and, and that we can, we, we can't necessarily physically see them right now, but we can see them starting to manifest and, and unfold. And, and he's starting to really do some amazing things, bringing people into our life who share visions, who, who share, you know, dreams. And so, yeah, it, it's the land of Jordan is a place rich with encounter, place rich with the Lord and, and the heritage of the Bible. And so changed forever. I am for surely changed forever. Man, Aaron, thank you so much. Uh, this is all the time we had for today's episode, but we are, we are so grateful for your time. We're so grateful um, that you took all these stories and you just kind of condensed them down for us. But I know that uh, man, I was encouraged. I've been encouraged by this. And I know that uh, we can just make a simple impact, you know, on the people that we're around, no matter where we are. We're full of the Holy Spirit, full of the love of God, and we can bring people into an encounter with the Lord Jesus. And man, I just, it's so encouraging to hear what God's doing on that side of the earth. Um, so thank you so much. And uh, I encourage listeners, if you, uh, man, listen to this thing again, and take notes, you know, and just kind of reflect on it and see what God's speaking to you. But I really believe that God's speaking to us through this message. And uh, man, we're going to see things happen. We should be seeing these things happen in our world, you know, not just on that other side of the world, but man, we should be seeing this stuff happen in our own lives. We should be receiving encounter and revelation from the Lord and, and ministering to people and seeing things happen. So I just want to encourage you that there's more. It's all there. We can walk in these things and be encouraged today. So Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your time. We're so grateful. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.